0: Welcome to the Sanctus NYC Message Podcast. We are the young adult community of the Brooklyn Tabernacle, built on the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Join us today as we look to God to lead us into the fullness of the life that he has for us. When Luke asked me, and I I know it's getting late and I don't want to keep you guys late, but I also don't want to abbreviate this too much because I feel like it's important. Um, when he asked me to speak to you guys, I jumped at it. And I had other plans tonight, and I changed them because I love every chance I get to speak to you guys. You guys, thanks, I'm a mother. I have children your age. And so when I see you guys, I can't tell you the love I have for you. And I know there's new people here tonight, and I would love you too. And for those of you that come here and I see you growing in the Lord, I see so many of you just in a year, what God is doing in your life, I literally am beaming with pride. A good pride for what God's doing in your life and how absolutely precious all of you are. So yes, I jumped at this opportunity to speak to you and I was asking the Lord, can I have water? Thanks, Anise. Um... I was thinking about what to speak to you guys about, and I had something in my head, and then I called Luke, and I was like, Luke, do you have anything? Because I'm not exactly sure. And he kind of gave me an idea, and it kind of went along with what I was feeling in my heart, so I felt like it was a confirmation. Um, so today, I, I want to speak to you about who you think you are. Mm. That's always a good message, right? Especially for young adults. It is for anybody, even someone I'm twice your age or more. And it's still a good message for me. But I, I want to talk to you about who you think you are. What, what is your identity today? What is your purpose? Standing of that, if it's kind of vague and it's just thoughts, the world will very quickly have a prescription for you of how to find that. Have you noticed that? And it's very anti what God has intended, but I actually found this, this little, uh, uh, some statistics, because you always have to have statistics when you preach a message, right? That's what makes a message more complete. Well, here, here are some statistics, Eighty-four percent of Americans believe that, quote, enjoying yourself is the highest goal in life. That's your Further, 86 percent believe that to enjoy yourself, you must, quote, pursue the things you desire most. And 91 percent affirm this statement. To find yourself is to look within yourself. And so, what the Westminster Catechism used to has been is the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Now, this twisted catechism that we all live by is the chief end of man is to glorify himself and enjoy himself forever. Now, if you are not grounded, this kind of stuff can seem very appropriate it kind of makes sense, right? Everything about self-esteem and finding out who you are and loving yourself and all these things, it kind of makes sense. Here, here are some commandments that someone wrote down. These are, these are the commandments of, of our culture right now. Your mind is the source and standard of truth, so no matter what, trust yourself. Hashtag the answers are within. Your emotions are authoritative, so never question or let anyone else question your feelings. Hashtag, follow your heart. It kind of sounds right. You are sovereign, so flex your omnipotence and bend the universe around your dreams and desires. Hashtag, live your truth. You are supreme, so always act according to your chief end to glorify and enjoy yourself forever. Hashtag YOLO. You are the creator, so use that limitless creative power to craft your identity and purpose. Hashtag authenticity. So now, if you're not grounded in the word of God... Yeah, that makes it all new to you and hearing about the gospel and God and Jesus and the Bible and his word and the truth that it is, that's made sense to you too. Understandable. But, you know, isn't it interesting that with all the freedom that this is providing for you now, that no one's putting any restraints on you, everybody's saying, do what you feel to do, be what you feel to be, act the way you feel, live your truth. Why? Is it that mental health is at an all-time low? Why is that? Are they completely isolated from one another, or is there a correlation? You know, Alexa, you're precious, and you really just outlined my message without even knowing it. And what makes you so precious is Jesus in you. So depression at an all-time high, uh, Alexa just said 50% of her life suicidal, her brother suicide notes, anxiety at an all-time high. Are you aware of that? Are you experiencing it in your own life? Not God's intention for you. But here's the problem. Outside of God's intention, it is destined to bring destruction and Fail. You can't fight against God's purposes. If he's real, if there is a God, if he created this world, if he created us, and he had a purpose and an intent in all of it, you can't fight against that. The Bible says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. What a man sows, he will also reap. And so we have bought into something that was never God's plan. So what was God's plan? Well, we can go back to Genesis to find his plan when he created us in the first place. And Genesis 2 tells us that he had created all these things. And and Lynette brought this up recently when she was introducing a song on a Sunday. God spoke everything into existence, right? The sun, the moon, the stars, the animals, the, the trees, the waters, the sky, the earth, everything, separated everything. Just by speaking, that's the power of God. That's the power of God that we can't even wrap our minds around. And you might be questioning him today, and you might not understand everything about him. But that would make sense, right? Because if you could, he wouldn't be God. Maybe you would be. But God is God, and we will never fully understand him until we see him. But he spoke all these things into existence. But then when he got to making you and I, it said he used his hands. And it says that, then the Lord formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So now we're, we're separate from the rest of creation. There's something intimate. There's a relationship here. There's something, a value that God has put on our life that's different than everything else he's created. We are his prized possession. And so now Adam and Eve are in this garden, and the Bible tells us that they were at perfect peace. They had perfect security because they knew that their lives were lived for God to enjoy Him, to worship Him for who He was and all His majesty. And their identity was in him, just being his children, being his creation. And he lavished his love on them, and they worshiped him, and they lived for him in, in his glory. They just, they existed in that. They didn't look at themselves. They didn't look at what their identity was apart from him. There was no identity apart from him. They were created for him, and they lived for him, and he gave them everything they could ever need because he has everything that he any of us ever need because he's God and he created us and that's what it looked like and the Bible says that we were created in his image so we are image bearers of God you sitting here even in our fallen state in our sinful state you still bear the image of God he's put his imprint on you and so what that means is we have a lot of things like God does we have intellect we we are creative We have a moral compass. We have a spiritual nature. So all these things were reflecting who God is. And he gave us that to reflect who he is. But like an image bearer is someone who's supposed to image someone. So they were reflecting who God was. And it was bringing glory, more glory, which he deserved, to God, who's worthy of all the glory. So like you would make a sculpture of someone, you would do that to bear their likeness and show people, the world, something about that person. You would try to image it, and that's what we were. We were, these, we were imaging God and glorifying him in that, and he loved us and lavished his love on us, and we found our complete satisfaction in him until... The Bible tells us that Satan comes along. Now, the Bible tells us in the Old Testament, if you look, that Satan, that Satan was like a worship leader in heaven. He was an angel. And he was a beautiful angel. And he got so caught up with his own beauty and who he was, the Bible tells us, that he wanted worship for himself he thought, yeah, God is okay, but look at me. I deserve some worship too. I deserve some glory. I want some praise from people. I need my ego rubbed a little bit. I don't want it all to go to God. And so the Bible tells us that he fell from glory and that a curse was put on his life that his days were numbered because He had separated himself from God in his pride and in his ego, wanting a little bit of the glory too, a little bit of the praise, maybe more than a little bit. And so he comes slinking into the garden, and God had only told Adam and Eve one thing. Do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Just don't do that. But I give you everything that you need. I am God Almighty. Everything that I have is yours. You are fulfilled and satisfied in me, but just don't eat that tree. And what does Satan do? He comes to them and he says to them, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. And that appealed to her. Oh, I can get some glory? Glory. I can get some praise. I can be like God. People could worship me. Okay. And so Eve and then Adam followed, and they have loved themselves, and we have loved ourselves ever since. And how has that worked out for us? When they ate from that tree, suddenly their eyes were open, and the presence of God departed from them. Every, that covering that God had given them, that fullness, that, that fulfillment, that pouring into them, everything that they needed was withdrawn. And suddenly, all they saw was themselves, and they were ashamed. They saw themselves in their filth, in their sin, in their insufficiency. They saw themselves in all of that. And the Bible says they wanted to cover themselves and hide Before, they didn't had no need to cover. God was covering them. There was nothing to be ashamed of. But now, them, apart from God, they were nothing. They were nothing. And this began the long history of humanity, of all of us now on an endless search to get satisfaction and fulfillment again through the means of this world and our sinful self. Trying to find things to find our identity in, to make us feel good about ourselves again. Oh, we long for it. That's what we fell from. We used to have it perfectly. Trying to find what our purpose is. Trying to find something that makes us feel like we are good enough. That we are acceptable that is all that life is. It is wired, hardwired into each and every one of us. We want to know we're good enough. We want to know what our identity is. We want to know what our purpose is. We want to know that that we're sufficient. And in our blindness, our spiritual blindness, we just keep looking to the world to tell us that. We keep trying to, this new self-esteem thing that, that really didn't come about until the early Uh, 20th century where it began becoming popular this idea of I have the ability in myself I have the goodness in myself I am enough in myself that's what self-esteem is and that's why that idea is so far from anything biblical and how it all began and yet we think it makes sense. And so we look to things to try to fill, to try to find an identity. And I need your praise. Look at me. Am I good enough? Am I good enough? Am I, am I, am I acceptable? Am I acceptable? Look what I can do. Am I pretty enough? Am I sexual enough for you? Someone, give me the adoration that I need. I need it. it you ha- you, we used to have it, and it was given to us by God. And now that's been stripped away, and it's a, God's, a God-sized vacuum in our lives that we're looking for something to fill and when you use anything other than what God has intended that thing will be your destruction that thing will destroy you it was never meant to hold you up it's fragile it's volatile it's fleeting have you found that in your desperate attempts to try to puff yourself up like the sin of Satan and Adam and Eve, to be like God where you say, give me the praise. Give me the adoration. Look at me. Tell me I'm enough. Have you found how exhausting that is? It's a roller coaster. It's a never-ending cycle of, I put that selfie picture on Instagram and I put just the right filters on it and you won't see this little rosacea I have right here and now I keep checking who liked it do enough people like it do they like me am I good enough praise me tell me I'm enough praise me tell me I'm enough me 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 let me know about me or else I'm gonna fall apart I'm gonna have anxiety I'm gonna have depression oh I got a lot of likes I got a lot of likes, look at all the comments people made. Tomorrow I put up another one, no likes. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? What what else do I do? What else do I do? Money, I'll make a lot of money. Look at me, look at all the money I have. Alexa said it, right? Look at all the money I have. Oh, COVID comes, it's gone. Oh, what do I do now? What do I do now? I need to feel like like I am loved, like I am praised, like I am accepted, like I am good enough. What else do I find? And it's this sick, never-ending cycle. I don't care if your identity and your purpose is not found in Jesus. You're doing exactly what I'm saying. You could not be a Christian here today, and you're definitely doing it. You're trying to find something that you can put all your stock in to make you feel like you're someone. My career, my education, look how many guys like me, look how many girls like me, my beauty. And it's just as it's so insecure and volatile, you'll you never know when it's going to go. And you live in anxiety, because then you have to face the fact I'm not an I'm not good enough. I'm not acceptable. And this was never God's intention for us. And so Jesus comes on the scene, and he lives this crazy life. And those of us that are in the story of love, we've been talking about it. And I've been trying to drive it home how absolutely countercultural Jesus was who was God. Because he came to the earth in a little manger as a poor baby, surrounded by filth, and he lived this humble life, but he, he knew the secret, and he was trying to show us, to remind us of what we were originally created for, because when he went to get baptized, John the Baptist was going to baptize him. It says that when he went in the water, suddenly the heavens opened up and a voice came down. And it said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. I don't have to strive. Jesus didn't have to strive. He had hardly anyone's approval. But he knew who he was, and the love of the Father poured into him, and he lived to glorify the Father, not himself, to glorify God. And he lived his life like a servant, countercultural. I'm not serving anyone, but that's where the peace and the satisfaction are found. Make it about you, 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 you will be miserable because you weren't created for that. You are not. I know it seems intuitive. I know it might give pleasure for a fleeting moment, but then it's gone again. And then that toiling keeps going. How do I keep getting those likes? How do I keep getting that approval? I want people to praise me, but they're not praising me enough. Because guess what? You're looking for the praise of a world that's broken and sinful and wants praise just like you do. And you're putting all your stock in them. Broken people, selfish people. And you've put your stock, your anxiety that you live in, your depression, is because broken, sinful, selfish people don't give you enough likes and approval and praise. But Jesus lived completely different and he was God. But he didn't walk high and mighty and give me the praise I deserve and you should adore me. And the most beautiful picture of that we've been discussing during our rehearsals for the story of love, at least there's so many beautiful examples, but is that picture of Jesus. He knows that he's about to die, and he has the Last Supper. He does the Last Supper with his disciples, and he says, this is my body that's going to be broken for you. This, is my, this cup represents my blood that's going to be poured out for you. And he knows that he's about to experience the cross, torture by animal soldiers that are going to tear his body apart. He's going to be spat on, rejected by all the people that said they would never leave his side. He's going to go to a cross and then that relationship that he had with God, that we used to have with God, he would know what it is for him to be separated from it because he would become our sin, God would have to turn his face from us the way he had to turn his face from all of us because of ours. He would come to know that. But in that place, instead of making it about me, 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 my emotions, how I'm feeling, oh, me, 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 the Bible says knowing who he was and that he was going to go back to the Father soon and that he would leave these disciples, he got up, he took off his shirt, and he got a basin, and he kneeled down, and he washed the feet of his disciples. It wasn't about him. It wasn't about self-esteem, likes, and all of that. It was serve, serve in humility, because I know who I am in God. I'm good. I know who I am. And now I'm going to serve you so that you can know him too. The Bible indicates that he even, Wash the feet of Judas, who he knew would betray him and sell him out. He washed the feet of all of them, and that's what he modeled for us. This was the life that you were called to. To glorify God, to live in the security of knowing who you are in him and his love, and to walk lowly. The Bible says that when we try to exalt ourselves, God will bring us low. But when we humble ourselves, he will lift us up because we're going to make it about him. He knows that. When we humble ourselves, he lifts us up. He opens doors. He does things because he knows we're going to make it about him. And who else should it be about? Who else should it be about, really? Me? This is dangerous, even this, me holding a mic and getting up and talking to you. I have to say, God, cover me. Cover me. Make this about you. Let these kids see you, Jesus. Let them see you through my life. And so this is what Jesus has made possible for us because, as we know, he modeled what a Christian life should look like, what we were originally made for, and then he gave his life so that we could again live that out. So that this sin, which has separated us from God, He was separated from God so you wouldn't have to be anymore. And now we saw ourselves in all our sin and all our shame and all our dirtiness and rebellion. And his blood has washed us completely clean. We don't live under that anymore when our faith is in Christ. And now we come back into the presence of God. And this is what God has called us to. This is what God has called us to, to live our lives again, not looking for the praise of men, not boasting, trying to make much of us, but to make much of God who has done this amazing thing for us. Because can you save anyone? To boast about yourself. To make life about you, to need everybody's praise, and to fall into that lie and say, look at me, give me praise, and detract from the only one that can save anybody. To make it about you who can do nothing, who needed a Savior, who is nothing without that Savior. Why would we ever make it about us? When Jesus is so beautiful, and he gave his life, and he humbled himself, and he washed our feet, And he hung on a cross while we were his enemies and we spat on him. Why would we not live our lives to make much of him? And to let this world know about this amazing Savior, that everything that my life would do would reflect. I'm the image bearer. When you see me, I'm just imaging the real God, the Savior, the awesome one. I'm just a little picture of Him. If you see my life, I'm just gonna keep pointing at Him. If you see anything good in me, trust me, it is God. It is God. And we go about this world not needing anything from everything we need in God. His love is perfect. His forgiveness is perfect. His patience with us is perfect. He has a perfect plan for all of our lives. He said he will never leave us or forsake us. And these are some of the other things. You want to know what your worth is in God? You want to know who you are in God today? These are just some of the things that the Bible says. God's truth about you. You are chosen and dearly loved. You are a holy temple. You are a new creation. You are adopted as his child and he is your father. And you are inheriting all that he has to give. You are alive with Christ. You are the light of the world. You're blameless because of what Jesus has done. You are born of God and the evil one cannot touch you. You are chosen before the creation of the world. You are a friend. You are a friend of God. You're delivered, forgiven. You are God's workmanship. You are healed from sin, holy and blameless. You are included more than a conqueror, no longer condemned, set free, overcoming, victorious. You belong to God. You can approach God with freedom and confidence. You are strong now. You bring glory to God. You forgive others. You understand what God's will is. You have access to the Father. You have God's power, hope peace and purpose because of what Jesus has done. Amen. Amen. So why? Because all of that was given to us through Christ. Why would we want to bring any attention to us? Why would we need the praise of men? Why would we use social media as a way to rub our ego anymore? which just is going to get us back into that cycle. It never satisfies. It only robs. It only destroys. But when you know that you're all of that and more in Christ, then you walk in that confidence of I know who I am. I know who I am. Even if you don't feel it, it doesn't matter. If Jesus is your Savior, you are that and more. You are that and more. I don't care the mistakes you made yesterday. You are that and more. And so when you walk around in life, don't need anything from anyone else. Don't need the praise of men. Don't detract from the only one who deserves all the praise and all the glory. Let your life be a living sacrifice, like Romans says, where you just bring glory to God in everything you do. Everything you do, you point back to Him and tell the world, Look, look, look at the Savior. Look at Him. If you see anything in me, I have nothing. I have nothing. I didn't earn this salvation. I did nothing to deserve it. It's because of His great mercy and grace. Look at the Savior. Look at the Savior. See what he's done. We should all be sparkling, sparkling in this world, reflecting the glory and the goodness of God. And you know what, Jesus, not only did he model for us how we're supposed to live, and not only did he make all these things possible because he cleansed us of our sin and we were able to come back into fellowship with God and he made us all these things, but the Bible tells us this about heaven because we are to live lowly lives here on this earth. Serving others, making much of God, not making much of ourselves. We're to live lowly lives, but the Bible tells us that there's a day coming. And this is so absolutely unbelievable. When my husband and I were at a pastor's conference in Seattle last week, and this pastor got up and started preaching from this chapter in Revelations, and we were breathless because he started to try to depict what heaven is going to be. And sometimes I don't even like to think about heaven because I feel like I dumb it down from how awesome it's going to be because no I No eye has seen, no ear has heard, the Bible says, what the Lord has prepared for those who love him. We have no concept. It's so far beyond anything we can understand. But in Revelation, it tells us this, and this is so crazy. It says that, At once, this is John having this revelation, at once I was in the spirit and I saw a throne standing in heaven with someone seated seated on it, and that's Jesus, right? The one seated there looked like jasper and carmelion, which I have no idea what that is, and a rainbow that gleamed like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were the 24 other thrones, and on these thrones sat 24 elders dressed in white, with golden crowns on their head. And do you know what that represents? Us. Seated on a throne with a gold crown on our head in heaven. That's what Jesus secured for us because of how he poured out his life, he humbled himself, he served us so that one day we have this waiting for him, waiting for us, and then it says, Whenever the living creatures, so there's angels and creatures, and I don't understand it all, but it's magnificent what's going on right in heaven and this vision that John is having. And he says, and whenever the living creatures give on glory, honor, and thanks to the one seated on the throne who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before the one seated on the throne and they worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory. Glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and came to be. And that's us. That's us and here's this amazing picture of Jesus welcoming us into heaven and saying sit, sit on your throne that I that I won for you. you didn't do anything to win it. I won this throne for you and now you sit. And you enjoy and you reign with me forever in glory. And I will put this crown on you. But it gives this picture of us being so awed by the presence of God, seeing Jesus face to face in all of his glory where our bodies can finally, because we have a spiritual body, our bodies can handle it. And we're so overwhelmed that we take that crown and we throw it down we throw it at his feet we don't want the glory we don't want the honor because he did it all he deserves it all and we throw it down at him and lord worthy are you and that's going to be the dance of heaven of jesus lavishing his love on us and giving us this position that we never deserved and us wanting to throw it down and just say no you are worthy you are worthy to receive all honor and glory that's the plan of god for us That is what he has prepared for us one day. If you're in a a rut of just living for yourself and you meet all the statistics in life of depression and anxiety, there is a cure. There is a cure. Jesus is that cure. But more than Jesus, understanding who God sees you as. And walking in that in humility, the peace and the security of knowing who God has made you to be. And then that being so fulfilling and so enough that you can walk in humility and lowly and live your life to serve others like Alexa talked about and letting God be seen in you as you reflect him. You have to have a new revelation of who Jesus is. You have to have a new revelation of who God is so that the things of this world the song sings become strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That the piddly things that we look to for fulfillment, satisfaction, and praise, that we would get a new vision again of who we are in and of ourselves And who God is and that he would receive us and love us and call us his children only because of what his son did. All the glory goes to him. This is a, and I'm going to finish with this. I read this. I I spoke a similar message to the young adult ministry about 10 years ago. And I read this story and it's, I think, the early 1900s, a doctor that wrote this. And when I read it, I was so touched by it. So just... Humor me for a minute while I read this to you. He said, when I was announced on stage, I walked out pompous, pompously straight, head high. Soon I was into my speech displaying slides on a large screen and everything from heart attacks, cholesterol, and death experiences to resuscitation encounters. And as the audience warmed to the subject, I knew I had arrived. I was the star performer. My words were polished, and I was proud of myself. Not much further, and I could have been God. After many congratulations, as people began to thin out, a man came forward. Tremendous performance, he said. A most revealing lecture. Following, me, following more compliments, he invited me to his home. Warming his hands at the s- small fireplace, the wise old man surprised me when he said quietly, Ever been in the presence of God? suddenly everything was quiet swallowing scalding coffee from an old mug the man was peering over his half moon glasses waiting for an answer I thought to myself now that was a dumb thing to ask why should I need to have an encounter with God I was already a Christian and a pretty good one at that certainly this should have been evident from my lectures so I finally said I don't know Following a fresh pot of coffee, a full hour went by and this man of the cloth, some kind of pastor, mumbling scriptures and praying with his eyes open as if looking into eternity. Slowly, I was aware that the old priest had been quietly guiding me into a self-examination of some sort as if he had been using a stethoscope and a mirror. Strangely, I did not resent this approach because something was happening. The more I cooperated... It seemed the more I felt myself becoming smaller, infinitesimally smaller, as if an overwhelming force had entered the room, squeezing me into insignificance. A force where I was aware that I could not move, frozen for the instant, suspended in time, the awesomeness of this presence overcame me and I could not speak. I continued to stare down at the scripture in my lap. I was trembling in ecstasy and fear. I could not manage to look elsewhere. The Holy Spirit was almost palpable. It was then I knew that I was in the presence of God. Oh, a holy moment. I felt that if I moved, I would die. This being or force responded to scriptures. It pointed to the only son of God. As it moved around me and upon me, I realized that it was holy and that I was nothing, nothing at all. Self-esteem, self-worth, they were gone. They could not possibly exist. And then I could not stop crying, uncontrollable crying. There was no room for me. self. I knew I was unclean, abased, ashamed, in need of a bath. I was the exact opposite of the self-realization offered by forces opposing God. I was inadequate. When the varnish of vanity and self-righteousness had been removed, there was nothing left of this self-pride of mine, this self-assurance, this self-acclaim. In the presence of the Spirit of God, I knew I was less than the chemicals I was made of, and yet he loved me. I knew full well that he loved me. The most humbling experience of my life, it revealed to me not who I am, but who he is. And the thought made my knees sink to the floor, and I knew this was an experience with Jesus. I knew I was finally in him, and he in me. Let's just close our eyes. And that maybe you want to come up. Only God is worthy of the glory. And He is worthy of every part of our lives. And there is no greater fulfillment, there's nothing else we were created for but to love him and to bring him glory with all of our lives. And it is a high calling. It is a high calling to be his image bearer on this earth, in this dark world. You bear his image. You bear it. And how much more beautiful than even Adam and Eve did because they weren't redeemed by the blood of the lamb. In your sin and your lostness and your deadness, he redeemed you because of his great love that is not dependent on ourselves, but on who he is. And he needs to be seen in your life. You don't need to be seen. He needs to be seen. And when you let him be seen through your life, you are living life to the very fullest that you were created for. There is no higher calling than to be his reflection on this earth drawing other men to the same saving grace that you've come to know and that's what he wants to use your life to do, to glorify him to show the world how beautiful he is if you want to I know we're going to sing a song but if you want to make a new commitment today to surrender and give your life JC was talking about it I think all the worship songs talked about it. Alexa talked about it. It's the theme of the day today. Surrender of everything. Withholding nothing from God anymore. Not looking to this world for fulfillment and satisfaction anymore. Get out of that rat race. Be free today. Let that burden be lifted from you. And come into the knowledge of God's acceptance of you his approval of you not because of anything you've done so you can't take the glory only because of what jesus has done but because of what he's done you have everything you need now in god if you want to stand where you're sitting and say i need to make a new commitment to the lord by his grace by his power to surrender everything i've been looking to the world maybe for not the most seemingly sinful things, but now you see that even those little things, how the enemy will use them to destroy you, to pull you away from God and your understanding of all that he's done for you. You don't have to toil anymore. You are enough because Jesus is enough in you. You are enough. You are accepted because through the blood of Jesus, you have been accepted. God has a plan for your life, and in that structure and framework of living low and bringing glory to Him, walking humbly and living your lives to serve others, in that framework, you will find exactly what He's put you on this earth to do. You will find it. He's gonna lead you and guide you by His Spirit. You lack nothing in Jesus. So if you wanna stand and say, God, I want my life to give you more glory, I want to surrender everything that I have to you because you are worthy of it. Thank you. God, I want to give you alone all the glory. I want to walk humbly. And I want you to be exalted because you are beautiful and you deserve all the praise and all the glory. Is there anyone else? If there's anyone here that doesn't even know Jesus and you want to make a commitment, I've given you the gospel. I've, tell you, I've told you what he's done for you. And I've shown you the better way. It's God's way, and his way is always better because it's what we were created for. And that's where you find peace. That's where you find fulfillment. That's where you find your true identity. It's in him. It's in him. Hallelujah, Jesus. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. To connect with us, visit our ministry page at brooklyntabernacle.org or you can follow us on our Instagram at SanctusNYC.